This morning we're uh, going to be in the Gospel of John, the uh, the tenth chapter, as, as we um, tie the message in this morning to this um, day of of um, remembrance of, of celebration. Mother's Day is, is an interesting. It's a wonderful day in many ways. It's not, you know, it's not a um, it's not a church celebration. That's not a criticism, but that's not part of it. It's not a high and holy day in the church. It's a, it's a national recognition, but it connects us to, I think, some, some wonderful opportunities for us to, to live into the, the hearts of gratitude uh, that God has called us to. Uh, it, interesting, I, had, um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the story behind Mother's Day. Um, I know some of you inevitably are, but others of you like me maybe don't know the whole story. It was interesting because I was doing a little um, research. I got kind of tipped off about the story from a friend actually on Facebook who posted about it, and I went back and read myself um, kind of the, not only the origins, but, but the rest of the story of the person who is credited as being kind of responsible for the celebration of Mother's Day. And, and her name, anybody know? I hear mumbling. Nobody wants to be brave and yell it out. Anna Jarvis. Okay, is that what some of you were saying? Okay, it's hard. I'm, you know, I'm getting old up here. I can't hear so good. Um, Anna, Anna Jarvis um, kind of inaugurated the, the movement that would become Mother's Day to, to honor her mother, who, was a, um, who had worked during the Civil War to care for, for, both, for soldiers on both sides. Uh, north and south, and, and had worked um, for peace. And so kind of to, to commemorate this woman in her life and started having these Mother's Day recognitions in 1908, I believe, in 1914, Woodrow Wilson created the second Sunday of May as kind of a national recognition of Mother's Mother's Day. The interesting thing is Anna Jarvis, who had worked so hard to kind of start this, immediately got disgusted with it. And she spent the rest of her life trying to kind of undo what she'd done because it immediately got commercialized. And she could not stand the way that the, the celebration got commercialized. And companies, I don't know if it was Hallmark back then, but whoever came in and started to, to turn it into um, money-making opportunities. And so she spent the rest of her life kind of trying to undo Mother's Day in, in many ways. It's kind of a sad story. She died in a... She, um, um, had mental health issues, and she died in 1948, penniless, in a um, mental health institute, uh, sanatorium. Is that what the word am I looking for? Okay. Um, and but it was it was very very interesting, and I think a, a good challenge to us to remember, and and we recognize, and and you know we do Mother's Day, and and I I don't think there's anything wrong with recognizing Mother's Day, but just like I think Valentine's Day and other national holidays, we need to kind of be challenged that it's not just an annual thing. You know, I, I think that's where these days are good. They remind us, but I hope they propel us to be thankful for the people in our lives, whether it be mothers, fathers, you know, like I've said, anybody, but that we have hearts of gratitude uh, regularly. You know, we celebrate the people that God has blessed us with um, and who we love on a regular basis, not just, you know, when... Hallmark rolls out the cards. So, um, so anyway, just uh, kind of a, a free one there as, I, as we uh, move into our scripture. 
uh, in John chapter 10. This is what Jesus says, and we're going to start to connect the dots here in, in a few moments, but these are the words of Jesus. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And let me add one more verse. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Friends, sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would first open our hearts to your voice, that we would learn to hear, and then we'd learn to recognize the way that you care for us, lead us, speak to us, and that we'd seek to be obedient. Bless these words that are spoken now, that they would become or that they would come from your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus has a fondness, as any good teacher would do, of using things that connect to his audience, using imagery that they would identify with. And here he uses sheep, which is not an uncommon image in the scriptures. It goes back to the most famous of all the scripture passages because of its uh, use in a, a, a multitude of faiths, Christianity and Judaism primarily, but and that's the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. The people would identify this, and they would identify this because what Jesus is, is trying to do is, is, is to remind us of an inherent nature in all of us, and that is to seek someone to follow. I, I think we all, even, even the the, the greatest leaders among us seek to have their own voices that they learn from, that they follow, that shape their path. I think that's something that, that is kind of inherent within us. I mean, think about it. One of the first games that we start playing as a child is follow the leader. Yeah, it's follow the leader. Somebody who is in charge and everybody else has to do what that child does. And that's an interesting game to watch in kids because you learn a lot about the nature, the inherent nature, I think, of children by the way they play that game. You know, you be, because in order to be good at follow the leader, the leader has to be sensitive to the needs of the people that are behind him or her. You know, and, and what happens is inevitably you'll get that kid, and I don't think this is a bad thing because I, I, I was probably that kid, um, that will like know who's following and then will try to find the toughest obstacles to 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 do to try to see if anybody can't do them behind them. You know, they will try to jump the ravine 
only to see half the group fall into the, you know, into the hole, that kind of a thing. A good leader has to be sensitive to the people that follow him. So you can find out who a good leader is and who a sadistic leader is by the time they're four years old, um, just by watching them play that game. Uh, Jesus knows that within us is, is a need to certainly to lead at some point, but to, but to have the voices that we listen to. And so he uses the imagery of sheep to remind us of his relationship with us because they would identify with that. You know, shepherding was common, and it still is. If you go to, to Israel today, you will still see um, Bedouin communities that, that shepherd the sheep and that move about um, the, the desert areas very often. And, and so it's still important, but it certainly it was essential in that time. And, and the nature of sheep are that they naturally follow. Sheep will follow. In fact, it's an interesting um, fact that I read this week is that if sheep are following in a line and you put a stick in front of the, the lead sheep, if you will, and they jump the stick, every sheep that follows will jump that stick, even if you take it away. Even if it's no longer there, they will all jump. They will follow the example of the one who's come before them. So the first one, they will all jump the figurative stick, even if it's no longer there. there there's that inherent nature. So with that kind of a, a reality, you know, sheep are dependent upon good shepherds, people that would care and, and watch over them and protect them. And that's what Jesus says he is. He says, I'm the shepherd. And he, and he, and he uses this imagery and he kind of, compares himself to three roles. He says, in this scripture, he says, I'm the, the gate, I'm the gatekeeper, and I'm the shepherd. Len Sweet says that, that he, what Jesus is saying is, I'm the, I'm the port, I'm the protector, and I'm the portal. And, and what that means is that, that Jesus calls us into a place of, of safe haven, a place of protection, a place of, of shelter, if you will. That's the port. I mean, I, for my imagery, I go to, to ships that are coming to the port where they can be protected, where they can be safe. Okay, that's the imagery because I'm, I don't know if you don't know, I'm not a shepherd. So I, I go to something I can relate to. But that's, that's what Jesus says, that Jesus calls us into a place of protection and blessing, a, a, a place of his presence. And so that's the port. But then Jesus also says, but I'm the one that watches over the sheep as they come into this place. I'm the one that, that is with them in the journey, not just in being there, but in the journey of getting there. And that's, that's the, pr the protector. Uh, that is the, the, the provider, if you will. That's the, the shepherd. But then the interesting thing is what Jesus also makes very, very clear is that portal between those two places between the journey and coming into that safe place, the gate, that's Jesus too. That Jesus is the gate by which we come in to, to God's presence. Jesus is the gate by which we receive God's grace and, and God's forgiveness and God's gift of salvation. And he says that there's no other way into the, the portal. There's no other place into the port, no other place into the pen, no other, no other way into the presence of God except through Jesus. And certainly the New Testament would go forth to carry that. Paul would say that, that, you know, there is no other name by which we are saved but the name of Jesus. 
So, so it is the port, the portal, and the protector. That's, that's the role that Jesus plays. That's a relationship that Jesus calls us to, to know His presence with us in the journey. His presence that calls us into that place that, that is His safe haven. On a day like today, though, we remember that Jesus has no other hands but our hands. Jesus has no other feet but our feet. And that part of that journey, part of that calling us into that relationship, call of inviting us into that presence, is that God uses other people in our lives to be instruments of the connection, if you will. I mean, if you want to think of it as a connection, God uses other people to, 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 to not play the primary role, not, not to step into His place, but to be instruments in that journey, to bless us in that coming to know Him as port, portal, and protector. And, and that's what we celebrate on a day like today, those people in our lives that God has placed that have blessed us. And, and so what Jesus is doing in his time is he's using imagery that people can identify with, shepherd. They, they can identify with, they get that, they understand what that looks like and what that means. And so I started thinking about this day and, and what's some of the imagery that we might connect to. And this is the image, and if you looked at this sermon title, I gave it away. But an apron. An apron. Should I put it on? It's pretty, pretty, isn't it? This is Tony's apron. You like that? Very fashionable. <laughs> very, very. We actually had two, which is surprising because we don't cook enough to have one. But um, <laughs> I won't say that in the next service. This is the other one. But, but the apron. Now, an apron would have been used in a, in a variety of ways in the time of Jesus. Shepherds would have used aprons to protect their legs during the shearing process. If, if, I mean, we've seen metal workers and glass blowers, and people, people use aprons all the time. But when I think of the role, which really what Jesus is, is talking about is the role of nurturer and, and protector. And when I think about the people in, in my life that have played that role, I, I kind of go back to the apron, this kind of an apron. Now, now let me say this. Right? Not everybody has apron moms. You may not have had an apron mom or an, an apron. It could have been a grandmother. It could have been a father. You know, somebody who kind of played that, that role. And so this isn't about um, specifically an individual, but the people in your life that, that have used a, a figurative apron, that have been protectors and, and caregivers and, and examples to you. Uh, in your life. And the apron for me speaks to two things. It speaks to person, but it also speaks to place. You know, it, for me, and I was thinking through in my own life, uh, my, my relationship with, I'm going to take this off because I'm going to trip on it. Um, my, my relationship with the, some of the, 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 the nurturers in my life, certainly um, my mother, my mother-in-law, uh, Tony's mom, uh, my grandmother, and so much of the relationship happened in the kitchen, um, in the, at the table, uh, at the, 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 the kind of eating area where we would just sit and have conversations. And they would pour into me. You know, that's what I celebrate because for me that apron, an apron is a protector. You know, it keeps things off of you. But, 
but I know that these people that I think about on Mother's Day, the, the women in my life specifically that I celebrate were protectors. They were protectors for me. They were nurturers for me. They were those who helped usher me into this relationship with Jesus who's port, portal and, and protector. They played that role. And so for me, an apron becomes a connector just like Jesus would have used with shepherds, something that I can identify with, something that I can hold on to, and, and, and something that reminds me of the lessons that I learned. I was reading apron stories. Susanna Wesley. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the life of Susanna Wesley or even the name. Susanna Wesley is the mother, was the mother of John and Charles Wesley. John Wesley being the, the primary... Um, instigator of the movement in um, England that would become Methodism, that would become who we are, and, and, and the movement that would birth the church that, that we're a part of. And his brother Charles, who, uh, if you don't know the name, you know the, the impact, because if you pull those hymnals out, a lot of Charles Wesley hymns in those hymnals. We sing them all the time. Susanna Wesley had, well, she had 19 children. Ten of them survived. She lost nine children. Ten of them survived, and she would spend every day teaching. And she had a tough life, but she would spend one hour with each child teaching and educating boys and girls. Susanna Wesley, at a time when women were not largely educated, was a smart, educated woman. And she raised her children, both the boys and the girls, to be smart, educated children. But she had made a dedication to God that... Every hour she ever spent in her life in entertainment, you know, personal pursuits, she would give equal amount of time in prayer with God. And with ten children, Susanna Wesley didn't have a lot of time for entertainment or personal pursuits, but she was very dedicated to prayer. And what she would do, she had to find the time. She had to find the places. So Susanna Wesley taught her children that she would take personal Sabbath moments, personal worship and prayer moments. And what she would do is she would take her apron. I probably should have put it back on. Let's see if I can do this. She'd take her apron, and I imagine she'd sit, and she'd just put it over her head. And when her children saw that, they knew that was not time to disturb mom. Mom was praying. She She was praying, and she was communing with God in those moments. It was their apron story. Now, here's what I think. I'm sure of this. That the things that she taught them, while powerful and significant, probably had less impact than the things that she showed them with her life. Than their memory of their mom with that apron pulled over her head, praying and connecting with God, the woman who nurtured and cared for them, taking time to have her own spirit renewed by the presence of Christ in her life. We know how important that is. It's an apron story. It's a story that they would have remembered, a visual they would have had that would have connected them to the person that their mother was in their life. I think for us, apron stories are those things that we connect to. And it may not be an apron, but we connect to to the people that God has placed in our lives to play that role. For, for my grandmother, it was an apron. My grandmother, um, Grandma Nuremberg, my mother's mother, 
Um, you know, my memory of her is with the apron. And I think about sitting her, in her kitchen up in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, when we'd go up for vacation, and she would be canning things, and she'd be making pies. My grandfather had a berry farm up there. So, you know, he had all kinds of, we had a lot of good pie, um, various kind of um, fruit pies when we'd be up there. And, and my memories of her was the way that she nurtured the family there in the kitchen and the conversations and the relationships that happened there. So that's a connection because she poured into me as a, from the time I was a child until the day that she went to be with Jesus. And so for me, I think of April. Now, my mom, I don't. That's not my connection with her. But you know what I think about with my mom? When I went to Denver last summer, um, or actually last November, to, uh, to be with my brother who lives there, he had done this on purpose for me to see, which was wonderful. I went into the room where I was staying, and on the table next to the bed was my mother's Bible. That was, that was my connection, because that's what I saw her all the time, reading that Bible, studying. I apologize, I didn't mean to joke up here. But that was the example she gave me. It was a woman who, like Susanna, that would cover herself. The Bible was a connection. It was her relationship with Christ that she poured into her children and her love and her notes. And, and I, I spent time there reading through that Bible and seeing where she had marked it and where she had written her notes and her Bible study and her teachings. It was the connection. An apron story. An apron story. We have, I believe, all of us, people in our lives that have played that role, that intermediate role, not the Jesus role. Only one plays the Jesus role. There's only one gate. But there are others who have played a role in helping us in that journey, that have shepherded us, that have watched over us, that have protected us. Those are our apron stories. Today's a day that we, we celebrate our apron stories. We celebrate the memories and the examples and the life lessons and, and sometimes the grit and the grime and the dirt. I wish, I wish the apron, you know, I think uh, the value of an apron would be on the stains that are on it. The stuff, you know? The stuff. I and mean, we, we probably have gotten rid of the dirty aprons, but I wish we hadn't. Because I think that's part of the story. You know, aprons, when they've done their job, they're, they're grimy. They're dirty. You know, that's, that's what they do. So, you know, I think about that role that Jesus offers us of our shepherd and our port and our portal. And first and foremost, we're invited into that. But on a day like today, I hope two things. One, that you're able to celebrate and to remember, even sometimes with tears, as, as mine kind of bubbled up, the people, whether it be mothers or grandmas, whoever it is, that God's placed in your life that have been part of that process, part of that journey, that have modeled some of those character traits of Jesus in your life. But then there's always a challenge. There's always a challenge. Be that for somebody else. Be that for somebody else. You know, the person who wears the apron. Remember Jesus it wasn't quite an apron, but it served the same purpose when he was in that upper room on that night of his betrayal and, and arrest. That last supper, remember what he did? He took a towel and he tied it around his waist. And he served. And he got down on his knees and he washed feet. And he 
modeled that in the life of his disciples. I pray that, that we celebrate those who have modeled it in us, but we model it in the lives of others. Those are our apron stories. Whatever they may be, whatever they may look like, celebrate them today. And if you're fortunate enough to be with the person you can celebrate it with, let them know how much they mean to you and let them know what kind of blessing they have been. I pray that this is, for whatever reason, in whatever way, a blessed day, but that we can celebrate our stories and we can go and make new stories in the lives of others. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for um, those whom you've placed in our lives that have nurtured us and protected us and sheltered us and, and walked with us. Those apron stories that we can celebrate. Lord, challenge us to live into that by, by doing that same for others and in many ways to be the hands and feet of Christ. You ultimately are the gate and the gatekeeper. And we thank you for the gift that you give and the invitation to come into your presence. And we thank you for those who have helped us in that journey. In Jesus' name, amen.